All right, welcome everybody to a very special edition of Take the Black. We're here with noted stage, screen, TV actor, and man with uh, hair I'm quite fr frankly jealous of, Ben Barnes. Ben, how are you? What's up, man? Hey, thanks for having me on. Well, you got that Billy Russo hair, I, uh, second season, I like it. Yeah, I like to keep it short. And, and I miss it, I miss it, it's so easy. Yeah, yeah, get out of the shower, it's, uh, it's done drying done. by the time I brush my teeth, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, well, thanks for taking the time. I know, um, you know, everything's kind of up in the air right now, so we definitely appreciate you taking some time out for us. Yeah, well, I'm grateful to, to have something to do, something to look forward to. It's yeah, nice. absolutely. Yeah, so and um, obviously here at WIC, we cover um, any kind of fantasy, sci-fi, all the comic book stuff. So a lot of your roles kind of fell um, under what we normally cover. So I was super excited to talk. Um, but Yeah, it was funny. At one point on my IMDb, it said like, it used to say like my name and, you know, your height and your age. And then like trivia, you know, often lives in a fantasy world or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But those are the most fun. You get the, the best costumes, the, all the toys, all that good stuff. Well, it's just the escape, the escapism as well. You know, just when I was a kid, I loved all the quest, all the quest stuff and all the like, you know, you know, sci-fi and quest basically were the things that I loved when I was a, when I was a kid. But, yeah. Um, yeah. You get the toys. I, I have the worst toy out of any, actor of all time i don't know if you've ever seen the uh the prince caspian action figure uh i haven't seen the action figure no it is the worst action figure there's any ever been made of anyone ever if you're watching this and that sparks your interest google it <laughs> it doesn't look anything like me it just it it looks like a five-year-old made it <laughs> well you know at least it got an action figure though that is true. That is true. But it's like my life quest now to do something else where I get an action figure because I have to like, I have to fix it. I have to, <laughs> you can't let that be the only thing. I have to make up for it. Yeah. Absolutely. Otherwise on my MDB, it will say trivia has the worst action figure of all time. <laughs> and then like, I can't have that. Hey, but IMDB self-edited, man. So there you go. Just, just hop on there and, and I don't know. I, I wouldn't have the first clue where to start with that. Someone else will have to do it for me. Uh, but speaking of Prince Caspian, that was your first, that was your first, you know, kind of major role that, you know, that, that you had. So what do you remember? But obviously it was kind of a long time ago. What do you remember most? Yeah. I mean, well, my first ever, ever, ever film job was, um, was also fantasy, which was, um, Stardust. I don't know if you ever Stardust. saw that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I just had like a small role in that, but that was like a really good, uh, that was like a really good, um, way in for me, like a really gentle mm -hmm. introduction to like, those big kind of those big worlds yeah and i luckily in that my character just had to go around looking at everything like that just like you know so so that was pretty easy pretty easy to do at the time yeah and and so on on caspian obviously play prince caspian um you know what do you what do you remember about those about those films because obviously with prince caspian i, I i'm losing my memory on the second one, but on Prince Caspian, you were the title character in a pretty big part of that film. Yeah, no, well, but both the second and third, I was, I was, I was in sort of the whole, the whole thing and they were, yeah, it was pretty magical experiences to be honest. I was doing like stage work in London and, you know, I, I'd done like a few days on films here and there, but never really anything where you were, it was sort of your full time 
full-time job and then to sort of fly out to New Zealand and do all the horse training and the sword training and the stunts and the, you know, I was working with like a dialect coach um, and, and uh, you know, sort of meeting all the cast and I'd seen the, seen the first film. So to me, these kids were just those kids. Right. And uh, yeah, it was a pretty, just as a sort of life, life adventure, which I think is, you know, just as important as, you know, as kind of, what you end up making in the end in terms of the experience of what you put into it. And, uh, they were just incredible from that point of view. Like we started in New Zealand and then we ended up shooting the rest of it in Prague in, um, in Europe. And they built these castles. And I remember thinking I was only cast two months ago. This, this must've taken (laughs) six months to build. It must've, uh, it, it, they've built a castle, a whole castle. And, and I just remember thinking how staggering, how staggering a job this can, this can be and how important it is to like retain that sort of childlike wonder about, about how you approach doing the job, because that's how I watch stuff. And that's how people, you know, that's how people interpret, I think what you're doing, especially if it's in a, like a sci-fi fantasy kind of, kind of realm you want to be taken away on a spaceship or taken away on a you know on an on a on that kind of journey you want to put the ring on and disappear you know yeah absolutely um and you know a character another character you played that was complete opposite of, of caspian obviously was was logan delos on uh westworld um yeah and speaking of getting away and, and, and being transported to some fantasy worlds, obviously that, that show centers on going to a, you know, a series of fictional parks, but mm-hmm. what do you, I mean, it, it's interesting because Logan, I mean, you know, he's not Logan, I'm sorry. He starts as, uh, you know, he starts as carefree and very hedonistic and he's, he's just, it's about the money and what he can get out of it. And then he, you know, when it's, William kind of transplants him, it, it shatters his whole world. So how much, how much did you enjoy kind of that journey of the character from season one to two? Well, I, I firstly, I had no idea. We, we had no idea we were going to do more than just season one. That was the deal was we would, we would, Jimmy and I plays William, younger William. Um, we were going to do one season. So it was going to be this carefree douchebag. Yeah. You know, that I was drawing on every douchebag I'd ever met and, and, and trying to make him kind of, but, but, you know, there's douchebags who really enjoy being douchebags, you know? Uh, and, and I think that I had, I think I had the most fun of everyone on that whole show because, you know, everyone's wrestling with these existential crises of, you know, what does it mean? And am I real? And I'm sitting there going, who cares? Yeah. Just have a nice time. And so I really enjoyed, I think, you know, you start to sort of Im- be imbued with, with a little bit of the characters that you're playing. And so while I was shooting that, I was just like, live, I was just sort of living life and thinking, isn't life amazing? Let's just, let's just, let's just enjoy this and let's have a, let's have a good time. And, and, and so it was a, it was a sort of good time to be alive when I was, when I was sort of shooting that. And then, but then it was a real, so it felt like a real privilege to be asked back for season two when that wasn't necessarily the plan, but also to be asked to do almost the complete opposite of what you were doing in the first season to have found this sort of slightly darker, soulful quality um, somewhere in there. 
and and sort of start to and you know the, what you long for as a, as an actor when you read a script or something is to be shown the journey and to be shown how they got where they got to and that's what you thought of your job is to like even if you don't say it in the story to to show people why you've ended up where you've ended up and and i think that giving me those those scenes in season two to do that was like a real privilege to be able to go like to flip from flip from between before what we saw in season one and then after what you saw in season one was like was like pretty was pretty cool to, to see yeah no absolutely and it, it's funny you bring up that you were the only person who had fun on set uh <laughs> i was just have you ever watched uh succession on hbo oh i love it i think i i honestly think it's like maybe the best cast on tv i just think that everyone is so perfectly cast in that show yeah absolutely and and i was they have a podcast that's out now with the, you know each one of the cast members and it's interesting because when they had jeremy strong on um who obviously plays kendall he was mm. talking about how everybody else on set gets to have a lot of fun and he's always in this yeah. sort of existential oh you know and, kieran culkin is having the most fun of anyone on tv right, right now yeah and, exactly uh, it's just being, it's a, it was a sort of a similar thing. It was just, it's just sort of being, be, being given the freedom to be really kind of, I, I would call it n n like to be naughty. Right. Like with your choices to be able to like walk out of the saloon, scratching your balls if you want to, and no one's going to go, what is he doing? You know, you could cause you can do whatever you have that freedom. Right. Yeah. And Kieran said a, a similar thing too, that he, he, that his set, he said his only problem was is when he gets offset after filming is done, he has to dial it back down because yeah, 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 yeah. With the same, stop. he's got to stop swearing and yeah, yeah, yeah. So Just drinking, drinking for breakfast and yeah, yep, absolutely. So um, and obviously, you know, Westworld was is it's a very heavy show and there's a, a huge amount of plot going on and you kind of touched on it a second ago. You, initially, you guys thought it was only a season one thing. How much? Did each of you kind of know, I mean, obviously you have access to the scripts, but how much did y'all know about the overall, you know, plot as it was going on? Did you guys understand yeah, we, it? We did, did always have the scripts, to be honest. I, I, we, in season one, I used to get the scripts, um, like two weeks before we would film that episode, I would get the scripts. And then Evan, Rachel Wood, who plays Dolores, would, would, who would know a little bit more about what was going on because she would talk to the show and she would like sneak me secret information. And I'd be like, what? really they're a robot shit you know i would I, I, I you know so that would be fun on season two um we we were shooting everything completely out of order and i was kind of doing uh, uh, some other stuff at the time so so i didn't even get any scripts at all in season two i only got the pages that i shot right so so when i got the pages for the like what I do in the, in the finale episode, when I become like that sort of Siri, <laughs> like my dad has made me this, the sort of gatekeeper of the system. Uh, I, I had no idea what was going on and I was supposed to shoot it like the next day. And I had to call like Lisa and Jonah, our showrunners and be like, uh, what, what, what is this? What, What's been going on? What am I doing? On? No context, please. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine that's kind of that's kind of hard to play when you don't know. I know some actors have talked about they don't want to know what's going on outside their characters because that can kind of mess with their motivations. But still, you have to have some idea what's going on, which obviously on Westworld can be kind of difficult. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, for me, I, you know, I think it's that your job to 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 when when the cameras are to like switch off everything and just be be as present as you can, and that's not easy to do in life, especially now, let let alone to do it on a on a on a set. It's it's, it's not it's not not the easiest job in the world. But I think I personally like to have as much context as possible because it gives me things to kind of that I can sew in or think about or whatever. I like to be trusted with that stuff, but yeah. a lot of people don't like you say. Yeah. Just a preference. But, uh, so especially with everything we, like you mentioned, everything going on right now, is there a, a park that you'd want to go to if you, if, uh, if it was real, oh. you want to go to Westworld, you want to go to the medieval land, whatever. Um, where would I go? I just want to like go, I wouldn't go and run in the ocean, water world, maybe water world. Oh no, that's, that's like ve- very dystopic, isn't it? That's like, yes. you don't want to go dry land. Where do they get to at the end? They find dry land, right? Yeah. It's, I think it's supposed to be Mount Everest is where they, they land. Yeah. Okay. I want to go to dry land at the end of water world. <laughs> just on an okay. island. Just, just leave me alone. You know, just, just, uh, yeah. There you go. That's a, that's a good choice. Um, and you know, one of the other shows, um, obviously that we covered pretty big was, was the Punisher, um, on Netflix. Uh, And I, I thought it was kind of interesting because I I see some similarities between the two characters between Billy Russo and, and Logan Dallas, but, um, they both had that like narcissistic quality, but for different, very different reasons. Yeah. Different reasons, but they also, you know, they start, kind of a, they they kind of go down the a, a path where you know in the first season you know billy russo is the kind of suave and he's the businessman and he's trying to put one over on everybody um and then in season two his whole world is kind of shattered kind of similar to logan and so it's i thought it was it was interesting did you see any similarities between the two characters when you're when you're playing them yeah for sure i, I mean I, like i said the, the the sort of that narcissistic that that narcissistic quality, one of them, because he's felt completely unloved by, you know, uh, a, 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 you know, by a father who holds him to, you know, what he feels are impossible standards and just feels like he's never, was, he's never been noticed and sort of turns to, you know, eventually sort of just turns to drugs to sort of escape his life, which is kind of sad, but he's acting out to get attention. And I think, with Billy Russo, it's not really about attention, but he also feels unloved. He's had a mother who was, you know, a drug addict uh, as well. And, and so he's felt abandoned. And then he's, he, you find that in the second season, he was or in the first season actually as well, but you a little bit more in the second season that he's been abused as a kid. And, and so he is, broke you know he feels broken and let down by the family let down by the system and all that stuff so i mean i love it when like those characters who seemingly are sort of just out and out douchebags i wouldn't say that logan is a villain obviously i think billy russo is like more of a villain because he's there's some psychopathy about about the way he behaves he's 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 broken um but i wanted to play him very much in the second season as you know it would have been very easy to make him kind of arch and vengeful i wanted to make him broken so a lot, I, you know, I wanted to kind of uh, show some of that vulnerability because I think that, you know, if you can play an, a, a murderous asshole and still have people when you when your character dies go, oh, right, then 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 that's to me that's interesting because I think everyone has everything in them, 
already. So we're all, you know, we, we're all these, like a bit like those tablets in Westworld where you dial up the charisma and you dial down the vulnerability and you dial up the anxiety and you dial down this, you know, we've all got all of those, um, we've all got all of those dials mm-hmm. in us. So it's just a question of choosing w- what, what you, what you're willing to show like we do in real life. And yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, that's the part of this whole thing, this, this whole sort of, you know, job and career, which interests me. Yeah. Well, and I, I love that you brought up that you wanted to make uh, Billy vulnerable because, um, you know, heading into season two, it was interesting because I think most people assumed, okay, Billy, he, you know, we're not, he's the villain. We're not going to have any sympathy for him. You know, this guy killed Frank's family, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought it was very interesting that as the season went on, I was, I was feeling sympathy for the character, you know, and you, and, and they played it so well where, you know, you didn't really know at first, is he faking the, you know, the uh, memory loss or is it, Mm -hmm. is it genuine? And I loved how there was, you know, when he did finally have that confrontation with uh, Frank, with the Punisher in, in the street, that scene that you have where you realize that's who is causing all your trauma. And the camera goes around me. <laughs> yes. And I just love that scene. And then the following scene, when you, when you go back to, um, I'm forgetting, uh, Dumas, Vista, yeah. Yeah. To her apartment and you're having like a breakdown. That's, I, that's actually my favorite scene I think yeah. I've ever shot. So I'm really like, uh, I'm chuffed that you pulled that one out. Cause I thought it was interesting. Like, I remember shooting season one, the big carousel fight at the end. And I remember talking to the showrunner about what we were going to do. And I was like, yeah, if he can't remember anything, then, then you get to have him think he's a good guy, which is so much more interesting than having someone think they're a villain. Cause then it's hard to justify. And and then I remember him calling me, our showrunner, before we start the second season. I said, my only thing that I want is that this memory loss is real. I just don't want it to be a facade. Yeah. It's got to be a real thing that, that, you know, that, you know, and he can remember things, but, but um, it can't be fraud because he, you can't cheat the audience because no one wants to be cheated like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that was kind of important to me to have him be, you know, because he it obviously tells a lot of lies, but just to have him be kind of honest in his approach yeah. was like kind of kind of important to me to as a as a sort of starting point. And then and because then I have the opportunity to like, you know, if it says he screams and throws a chair in the scene, I can just sit in the corner and cry. And if it says he sits in the corner and cries, I can scream and throw a chair. Like I could, anything is then possible. Right. Yeah. No. And I. I, I mean. Kudos to you for for making that a point because I was I was definitely in the first couple episodes worried that it was just going to be a facade and it was you yeah know, oh haha I was kidding I don't have memory loss and it definitely played more powerful to have that it be genuine that's cool yeah yeah I'm glad that scene in the I also by the way would have much preferred it if the facial scarring and stuff had been much worse I was I was. I really was pushing for them. I was like, put more, just, just three more, just like a big one, like over my eye, pull my eye down or something. And they were just, they were just not having it. Um, so that, that was, that was the only like disappointment about that. Cause then you would have been like, cause it would have then been, felt been harder to, 
empathize with him, but also you would have felt more sorry for him too. So it would have been, it would have been an interesting, I would have liked to have seen what that would have done. He would have been scarier as well, you know? Yeah. His, uh, his scarring, I, I think I did comment when I was reviewing it, that it, it did seem kind of superficial considering how much of a beating. Well, yeah, they were, they were saying like, Oh, we want it in the modern world. And obviously with plastic surgery and stuff, it was clean cuts from glass. And we, they, they did chart each scar from each hit and stuff, but like, I, uh, you know, I was just like, yeah, but m- mangled is fun. Yeah. No, I, I, I think I agree with you. It would have been a little bit more, uh, some people did some, like, uh, some of those like amazing, like online digital artists and stuff did some mock-ups of just like pushing it a little bit further. And some of them were just like, so cool. Yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely would have elicited a little bit more, uh, maybe not sympathy, but maybe you would kind of understand his his rage and his pain a little bit more because i think it would have pushed both both ways he would have come across as a bit more gruesome and 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 sort of frightening um but also a little bit more of a a figure of of sorrow so yeah it would have been interesting but um but i think also like the way it was explained to me was that, that actually the scarring and the damage was in here yeah and that also was a very interesting prospect for me. Yeah. Cause it meant that I was trying really hard to show that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was like a nice challenge as well. Well, and it was, it was also, um, interesting. I thought that the show, it really delved into, you know, some moral gray areas, especially between you and Frank that, that were kind of surprising for maybe, you know, the, cause the Punisher is supposed to be super violent and maybe not necessarily the most cerebral show. And so I love the, the comparisons they made between yourself and, and the Punisher, John Barenthal's character. So, yeah. um, and I love his ruthlessness at the end, you know, you switch places and you think, you think I'm gonna, with my sort of dying breaths, you think I'm going to try and make things right. And he's like, no, I don't have time for this. I'm a punisher. You know what I mean? Or is it, this is too hard for me. I can't watch this. You know, it's, it's, it, you should always be able to read things more than one way. I think, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to ask um, what you thought about that scene, because I think it also kind of went against some, you know, tropes or whatever you want to call it, where he, you know, he'd have a big speech and maybe they have a reconciliation or something, you know, something going on, but Frank just walks up and, you know. Yeah. Actually the original version of that scene was even shorter. It would just, he just sort of walked in and I didn't even get a chance to say anything at all. And I was like, no, it would be great if he started to say something. I was thinking, I, I pitched it a bit like lost in translation at the end. I was like, he starts to say something, but you're not quite sure what he would have said, but you can, you can just, you can, you, then you get to put your stamp on it. You get to be involved. You get to be yeah. part of, you know, you get to proactively watch and be, be, be involved, invested. And I, I love, I love when TV makes me feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. And so what was sharing, you know, obviously you and, and Berenthal, John shared, you know, quite a few scenes. What was, what was it like having him as a scene partner for? No, I mean, I wish are we with, with both of us always, always, wished and bemoaned the fact that we didn't get more because we, we, we really only got, you know, two scenes and a, and a fight in the first season and, and, and just two or three scenes in the second season where we, where we're actually in the same room because, and, and, you know, our, our, our creator and showrunner kept explaining that the more I put you in a room together, 
the more I have to explain why you're not just killing each other. Yeah, that makes you sense. Know, and, and, and you can't just keep coming up with reasons. And I was, you know, I remember in between the seasons, it was like, you know, when we were talking about season three, before I knew I was for it. Um, I was like, well, maybe, you know, I could be captured and then he could be captured and we could be opposite sides of a prison and we have to like eventually get together to like figure it out. Uh, and then we can't kill each other, but I was like, you know, anything, just anything. Um, to like actually have scenes where we can be in the same room without killing each other. But um, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's an amazing guy and he's such a, just a charismatic kind of leader figure just anyway. He's just very, He's a, just a very, um, you're just a very kind of alpha, charming, funny, straight shooting guy. And I, 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 I would have, you know, I would love to, I keep looking for things that we could do together, you know, where we can actually have some more scenes together. Cause Being I love doing Yeah, absolutely. I thought, I thought his casting was when it was announced was, was pretty spot on. So yeah, he was um, perfect. I was, I was, I was pretty sad that they kind of kicked all those Marvel shows off Netflix and it was, it was kind of sad thing to see because some of them were, yeah. some of them were, were, some of them were great. Some of them were just great. And I really, like I said, I, I loved how Punisher kind of played with a lot of the tropes and was a lot more cerebral than you might've thought it would be considering yeah. you know, the source material. So yeah, is there anybody, I told you my first, first ever job was Stardust, which obviously Charlie Cox was, who's, daredevil was mm -hmm. my son he's my son in it so oh, really oh wow yeah so whenever i turn up to uh to shoot in new york when i shot the punisher and i was like i'd be like son he'd be like father <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome um and is there anybody else uh that maybe you would have you know not just on the punisher but is there anybody you know throughout your your career that you wish you would have had more scenes, you know, more scenes with or most, pe most people, to be honest, I, I, uh, I've had so much time. I mean, uh, I did, I did a, a film, which is a very, very, very bad film called the big wedding, uh, which is not fancy and it's not cyber or anything. It's a, it's a sort of comedy, but the cast was just incredible. It was De Niro and Susan Sarandon, Diane Keaton and, uh, you know, Catherine Heigl is amazing. Amanda Seyfried, amazing cast. And, uh, I had, I had like two, two, two or three scenes with De Niro and, and, and I had two scenes with Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, those two in particular, just to have those little, those little tastes of working with some of the, you know, the great, the greatest of all time. And it all felt, it felt like a bit like a dream and it went too fast. And I, I, uh, you know, I, I regret how, how, how fast that felt yeah. that it went, but, um, you know, but, but, but I have had the privilege of working with some of my favorites, like Colin Firth and Jeff Bridges and some of these amazing, you know, Oscar winning, brilliant people. And I've done, you know, I've spent, you know, long do, doing big, long, long movies and jobs with them and learned a huge amount and enjoyed them a huge amount and uh so yeah i've been pretty i've been pretty lucky to be honest have um have any of them ever given you um not really pointers but maybe more just kind of advice um that maybe stuck with you yeah i mean i mean um 
Jeff Bridges used to t- tell me about how he would prepare for scenes and how he would sort of think prepare for scenes like three different ways and and then just sort of throw it all out the window, which was like really interesting. I remember him saying like, you know, my apprentice in the movie, so going to be my apprentice in real life. And he, <laughs> when he was doing his apprentice voice. Yeah. Um, and then Colin Firth would be much more cutthroat. He'd be like, well, you're not going to be interesting till you're 40, so just calm down. Uh, you know, he would just be <laughs> more like that. So, yeah. so yeah, I've had, I've had, you know, angels and devils all the way through to, you know, kind of ushering me along. Yeah. But you want to take the advice, a little advice from both. That, exactly. That's what keeps exactly. it. That's what keeps it interesting. I think it's, you know, I just, I just tell people to try and enjoy it because yeah. it's, it's, it's short. Yeah, absolutely. It's fleeting. Um, it's fleeting. And, you know, I was, I was, when I was going through uh, your IMDb list, like we talked about earlier, um, I, I, I was not aware how much of a musical background you had, um, mm. you know, from the soundtracks to, um, you know, just the, I think I read about the Eurovision stuff and, and things like that. So how much do you enjoy that versus acting? Cause they're both, they're both kind of a, obviously a performing art. So yeah. how much do you enjoy that versus acting? I mean, music is sort of, was sort of my first love really. Um, you know, when I was in high school, I was playing in jazz bands and singing in jazz bands and playing drums. And, and, um, in my first ever job was playing drums in a production of Bugsy Malone in the West End in London. It was like a jazz musical for kids. And, um, you know, I love all kinds of music and I've done some, some terrible stuff and I, and I've done some stuff that I'm proud of. And I've done a few musical movies like killing Bono. I, right. you know, obviously recorded the whole soundtrack for that and easy virtue I've sung on. And, uh, Jackie and Ryan is probably one of the jobs I'm proudest of in my life. And that's, you know, there's a whole soundtrack of that, that I got to be involved with and, and sing on and play on. And, uh, yeah, I'm yet to, yet to make any music of, of kind of my own, but it does take up a lot of my t- spare time when I'm just for myself, you know, it feels like yeah. something sort of, you know, precious I keep for myself. And then people were like, you should just do more stuff. Just like, even if it's just on Instagram or whatever. So I, I've tried in the last year or two to do a bit more of that. Um, yeah. and you know, eventually it would be cool to like make some music, uh, you know, uh, before I'm 50, you know, <laughs> Or before you fir- at 40, like uh, Colin said. Um, uh, better hurry a, up with that one. Do you have a preferred, uh, I mean, you spoke about jazz and obviously the Jackie and Ryan is kind of a little bit more folksy, uh, yeah. bluegrass, folksy. Do you have kind yeah. of a preferred, you know, if you were going to make... Uh, my, your- my, my draw has always been to like the so- like more soulful stuff. Like my dad had this record collection, which was just all like um, Beatles and the Stones and Zeppelin and the Who and... and uh, you know, all these kind of amazing rock bands. And I would, I would gravitate towards the back of his collection that unloved, you know, the kind of the Stevie wonder stuff and, and um, you know, even some of the more soulful like queen albums and stuff like that. And, uh, and, and then I sort of found my way through to a lot of the, like, you know, Aretha Franklin's and the Donny Hathaway's and all that, all that kind of stuff, like quite young, like 16, 15, 16, I was like really into like, you know, Tamla Motown and, um, stacks and all those, all those kind of, all that, all that stuff. And, um, and I still love that, 
that that kind of stuff but i love all kinds of all kinds of music but so long as it has a little bit of a i think a little bit like my taste in scripts too so long as it has like a little bit of a a sort of soulful not sensitive a sentimental um you know kind of power to it it's just that's what i tend to gravitate towards in life people too yeah absolutely no, I, I i was listening to the the jackie ryan soundtrack i like i like that quite a bit um oh cool that's kind of uh in my wheelhouse especially here Austin's got a real kind of eclectic yeah. music scene. So there's, there's a lot of stuff like that going on. I actually right have now. a funny story about that, which was that I did this um, uh, mini series for the History Channel called The Sons of Liberty, which was kind of like a, like a kind of a cool take, young take on, um, you know, Boston Tea Party and the, and the American Revolution and the Declaration of Independence and all that stuff. And, they, I'd finished shooting Jackie and Ryan, but they wanted to shoot, uh, uh, record two songs for the um, end credits, mm-hmm. and they organised it to, to to record these songs in a busted up, dilapidated uh, studio where we were filming outside. We were filming outside at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was dressed as Sam Adams <laughs> when... and, and it was like three in the morning. I had a break or two in the morning. I had a break for lunch and I got on one of the like golf, you know, those little golf carts and they drove me to the other end of the studio, which was completely like run down, like nobody in it, completely dark. I was like walking through these corridors and eventually I found this recording studio where this one guy was sitting, who didn't speak English. Um, and we recorded these two songs for Jackie and Ryan whilst I'm dressed as Sam Adams, like <laughs> the ponytail and the hat and everything. So that was like pretty surreal and weird to like, to trying to record these, those songs in that sort of situation. Oh, uh, you know, we were in, we were in, uh, you know, we were in, uh, Bucharest in, in Romania. Gotcha. Well, that makes for, that be for an interesting, uh, musical video. Yeah. So true. So, um, I know, you know, kind of your upcoming projects, you, you've got a central role in the, in the, um, shadow and bone series that's being, that's coming out on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, um, without, you know, revealing any spoilers, what can you tell us about your character mm. on the show? Yeah, not very much. It, uh, um, I mean, obviously the books, the, there's a trilogy of books called the shadow and bone, uh, trilogy and then there's a duology called the six of crows which is sort of set a few years later and we've we've uh for the for the sake of the uh the, the you know the show and being a full rich deep exciting world they're sort of um uh, you know drawing from both sets of books mm-hmm. uh, so we can have all of the characters um uh, together which is um which is you know it's, it's pretty cool and i play this character um who we're calling General Kerrigan, but he's actually, if you if you know the books, he's he, he is the character of the Darkling, mm-hmm. um, and um, you know he's he's the um, they have this 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 order of magic, uh, you know, people who have um, you know extraordinary magical abilities called the Grisha, and he is the the leader of the Grisha army. Mm-hmm. He's their he's their general. Um, so he's basically the most powerful, you know, character in this, in this universe as we, as we meet him. Mm -hmm. Um, and, 
yeah, it's a pretty exciting sort of universe because the way the way we've kind of drawn from all these books, it kind of you know has elements of you know Harry Potter with the different orders that people are grouped into by by you know by color at the, where where you know and then but then it also has kind of this quest element like a kind of Lord of the Rings kind of chosen one element, but then you know it's kind of this Russian Anna Karenina and then. The Six of Crows has more of a Peaky Blinders heisty vibe to it, so it's it, it really does have all of those things kind of like molded together. Um, something that feels a bit, I think, it, I think it feels quite different and interesting, and 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 I'm excited for people to see it. And have you heard anything about? I know it was it was kind of originally supposed to come out, I think, sometime later this year, but with with uh, COVID going on and post production kind of being, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't actually know when it's going to come out, but I hope uh, you know. I hope sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, you know, just a couple more questions, but, um, with, you know, with the way Hollywood works with remakes and reboots and all kinds of things going on, is there any kind of, is there any, uh, any of the, you know, fantasy sci-fi worlds that you'd love to be a part of? You want to be cast, uh, young Luke Skywalker or huh. you know, any, anything out there that you just would jump, to have i i mean i i get I, I i'm a pretty excitable fanboy in terms of like movies and tv shows to be honest like everything i watch i'm like oh what could i be in this what can i be in this world you know it's like when you're a kid when you you know you, you know i have a picture of me like dressed as a cowboy when i'm like three and then i have a picture of me dressed as batman when i'm four you know it's it, it there's always something yeah where you're like ah, oh, i want to I, I could do, I would do that. Yeah. So it's, it's everything really. I don't know. I, I feel like it would be, it would be more fun to like poll like a community like yours and be like, well, you know, what would, what would other people want to see me do? You know, that's, that's, that's actually more interesting to me than, than like, yeah. Choosing what, I would, what I would want to get into. Cause I just, you know, I want to be involved. I'm, 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 I want to be involved with everything. Yeah. Well, and there's so much, you know, it's, there's so much going on nowadays, you know, with all the different streaming platforms. I mean, everything. But I think having played, you know, I think having played, sorry, I, I, I think having played like a couple of quite untrustworthy, nefarious, you know, maybe even villainous, psychopathic kind of characters in a row, it'd be nice to see, you know, what I could now bring, having done that for five, six years, what I would bring to a, a, a more, you know, traditionally empathetic character to like a, a more of a hero figure, even if there's, you know, cause I've been playing these dark characters and trying to find the light and vulnerability. So it'd be nice to play like a light heroic character and try and find the dark in, in them. You know what I mean? That yeah. would be cool. Yeah. Flip it, flip it around just a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, I mean that, that's pretty much all I got for you where, I mean, other than shadow and bone, what else you got going on? Where, where can people see you coming up soon? Yeah. I mean, no, that that's, that's kind of it right now. You know, it's, it's a huge big show with, you know, kind of massive world building and effects and, you know, characters and stuff. So, so we've been, we were shooting it kind of most of, most of last year. So, mm. so we're just like to putting the final touches on it. So hopefully not, not too long before we can see it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we definitely thank you for the time. Uh, we'll have, we'll see uh, if we can't have you back on whenever Shadow and Bone comes out and we can actually talk That's about good. it. Um, yeah, so sounds good. I'll get I'll get some of the other cast on too. We can do a little group group thing. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, well, definitely thank you for the time and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, good luck, everything going on. Thank you.